Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the next installment of the SUS News Podcast Series where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as we always do at this time, we say a big, warm Texas welcome to our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Well, you know, warm would be the key word today because we have an extreme lack of it for some reason. I don't know what the heck is going on, but we have another little ice mageddon going on here. So, uh, hello, everyone out there. And uh, we're, I'm going to try to stay warm while we go through this whole process of uh, talking about drone stuff. Well, you know, it's it's not like Puxitani Phil didn't, uh, you know, come through and see his shadow. I mean, he said there was going to be six more weeks of winter. Don't tell well, me you're not watching the the, uh, the groundhog feed. Well, I thought he died, didn't he? I, wouldn't that, uh, well, I, that I rumor? there are rumors that, that he dropped it. But, you know, it could have been the uh, shadow after party. You know, some of these uh, <laughs> celebrities, you know, they overindulge, they party down, and, you know, these things happen. So, I don't know. I'm going to have to check into that. We'll have to uh, read the TMZ page and see what happened later then. Tucks tiny Phil. Confirm yeah, that rumors. Exactly. I don't even want to go down that road, but it, 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 there's a whole comedy sketch right there. But anyway... <laughs> I love Pucks and Toddy, Bill, and I love that movie Groundhog Day. Remember that with Bill Murray? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got the groundhog driving the truck. Ah, that was good stuff. Um, in drone-related news, there's, uh, did, you, did you see the Washington Post article? I, I did. Uh, there's been, yeah, there's been some discussion about that, yeah. Um, right, again, well. Patrick, same thing that you were discussing, what, how many years ago? Well, and I, you know, the thing is, is it's funny as people are like, well, you know, you're uh, anti-Chinese or what? I'm like, oh, no, hold the phone. I'm not anti-Chinese at all. The, uh, I mean, really, uh, the last uh, hangout, this week's hangout with Gary and the the Commonwealth Club, as I like to call it, because everybody, it's like the whole uh, yeah. Anyway, the uh, I did talk about that and saying that really, you know, possibly some of the Western governments were, you know, kind of resting on their laurels from the 50s and 60s, and it's really not a, a, a bad idea that they have um, that the government, you know, the government re- uh, realizes that there's a basket of technologies that you've got to be, uh, you know, top of the game on if you want to be a world power, you know, and drones is one of them. AI, supercomputing, facial recognition, yada, yada, yada. 
and the government investing in that. I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, the only time I see it as kind of a bad idea is when you're uh, people sitting over here, you know, twiddling your thumbs thinking that the rest of the world's like you, you know. So that, that's the only that's the only uh, issues that I have with it. I don't. Uh, and the other thing is it's and it's been something and I think we've talked about it over the years is people like I'm going to start a drone company and I'm I'm going to get you know forty million dollars of investment and I'm going to compete with DJI. What do you what do you think of that notion, Gene? Uh, well, you know it's it's the old joke that we always you know kind of throw out there is you know how to make a small fortune in the drone industry. And that start out with a large fortune, you know. So, um, yeah, it's uh, we we've been kind of uh, held up a little bit, and, and we're in severe catch-up mode right now. And you know, as you say, the Chinese have done a really, really, really good job of listening to their user base and giving them what they want. Uh, you know, the right. whole thing, the developmental process has been such that. You know, the, the, the selfie drones kind of you know, drove it. The photography and the pretty picture drones kind of drove it for the longest time. And and now, really, they're getting down to brass tacks, and we're getting industry involved. So you, you got to credit them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is, too, is, you know, is, I mean, uh, it's kind of funny, too. I guess, you know, reading comprehension is not the West's big thing, but, you know, it's not like, I mean, you know, China 2025, you know, Belt and Road, you know, I I don't know. I just, uh, I I just think, uh, you know, resting on the laurels, um, you know, people thinking that we're, the West is just technologically superior and never happened in all our science. So anyway, that's another mess for another time. I just think it's interesting that, um, you know, until Washington Post does a story, it's it's not reality, even though we did the uh, same deal at SUS News probably three years ago. But, hey, whatever. And then the only other one I want to talk about, you know, I did want to do a whole show and talk about Part 103. So, you know, you saw um, – you've seen they put up a, uh, a, a uh, TFR over, I mean, almost all of L.A. for the Super Bowl. Which, you know, uh, to me, is kind of like, whoa, you know, well, I mean, what, what about, uh, you know, television and movie production and, you know, whatever else? And usually that, that TFR is up for an extended period of time, blah, blah, blah. So the question I tweeted back to the FAA is, can I fly my ultralight in the TFR? Because it's really not a vehicle. It's not an aircraft. It's a vehicle. So I'm, I'm kind of curious on that. I'm going to have to go through there and read that. So you haven't little, gotten an answer yet as to whether you can fly your ultralight. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just wondering. You know, I don't have to have any uh, aeronautical knowledge. I got to buy one. I'm gonna have to buy an ultralight, so I have like the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> cracker Barrel too. That way, I have like you know. Example. They say you don't want to fly any higher than you're afraid to fall in one of those things. So, uh, could be interesting. Well, I'm not really prepared to fall from any height. <laughs> or grace. I don't want to get kicked off my own show for a couple of weeks. Anyway, so that was a lot. Did you uh, have anything to, to uh, add to the, the news portion, Gene? 
Uh, no, I mean, I, uh, I've been pretty much head down on the, uh, the the whole teaching thing. You know, that kind of started with that, with the uh, community college. And uh, I, I'm actually now having to learn more about part 137. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, you know, that's that's something that uh, our guest and, you know, we can talk about that some more later on. But, uh, you know, I never thought I'd be doing that. But, you know, here I am. Well, you know, you can do 137 on the part 103 aircraft or vehicle, but you do have to have the the license, which I would think would be more dangerous than doing it with drones. So uh, interesting. Yeah, there's there's a lot of nuances there. And, and, you know, I'm kind of excited today because I like food. And I think we're going to learn something or things about food. So without further ado, let's bring on our guest, uh, Mr. Dudley Steffens, Director of Strategy at uh, Randazzo, Inc. You there, Dudley? I am here, and it's it's Dudley Stevens at Rantizo, Incorporated. Rantizo. Okay, I got it wrong. Sorry. How's it going? uh, It's going well. Rantizo, just uh, in case it comes up. Uh, is a Greek word to sprinkles, and uh, as we kind of get into what what our company does, uh, you'll understand why that is applicable and, and an appropriate name for us. All right. Well, I was kind of curious as where it came from, and I, you know, I'm glad that you uh, enlightened us on that one because um, it is an interesting name. So. As we usually do, uh, we ask our guests to give us a brief bio, um, you know, what you've been up to for a little while and uh, how you came to work with uh, unmanned aircraft systems. Sure. Uh, so I uh, uh, grew up on a farm in the Mississippi Delta and uh, primarily focused on cotton at the time. Um, I've spent a fair amount of my life in commodity trading uh, pretty much globally, uh, working on several continents, uh, sourcing grain and oil seeds for the food and, and feed markets. I have also been a consultant um, for almost 20 years now in the crop input industry, primarily crop protection and seeds, uh, corn and soybeans, um, and then dealing with uh, the major chemical companies that are out there. Um, along the lines, I got in, involved in agricultural technology investment and worked with, now this is my third uh, ag tech startup, and um, really trying to bring technology, which uh, other than some basic equipment changes, really hasn't existed at the, the farm gate uh, for, for the better part of the, the history of farming, right, since uh, John Deere's plow. And uh, we've... Um, We've seen an influx of that uh, that technology from uh, data gathering and, and uh, data uh, just understanding of data on a day-to-day basis to enhance uh, the markets and what happens at the farm level, and that has led me to Rantizo as part of my uh, consulting and investments and whatnot, and um, that's that's where I am. Interesting. Well, you know, there's there as always. You know, usually we uh, we try to uh, book professionals on this show, and even in your bio, you know, there there's a lot there. <clears throat> and you know, you're talking about farm inputs, and and a lot of folks are probably like, what 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 is he talking about? But 
you know, this is one of the things of being uh, a, let's say, advocate of the unmanned aircraft systems technology. Um, you know, one thing I already saw early on, I know Gene, you know, he I don't know if you know this or not, but Gene had some experience with the, the farm drone concept early on. And I also, um, you know, t- I tried to do a thing with Brown University, and I had this concept for these, uh, you know, send this technology to the developing world to, uh, you know, look at maladies with, with the big three, which we'll get into in a, in a moment. And I had this uh, malady book idea where you could look at the look at the crop and there would be a malady and then an inset of like the corn weevil or whatever, you know, did this thing. So I've, I've been on board with this for a long time, but I don't know that people know what farm inputs are, but uh, maybe you could give us a brief of what that is and what that means to the, uh, I guess the crop and, and also the value and, and whatnot. Sure. Sure. And in, in the basic sense, it's anything that goes into, into the ground. Uh, or over the ground, um, I guess starting initially with fertilizer. So there's multiple types of fertilizer. The most common in, in North America is nitrogen, right? So nitrogen-based fertilizers that help the crop grow. Um, then after that is the seed. So there's a huge seed industry and developing seeds. I know, and I don't think we want to go on a tangent of genetically modified or gene-edited uh, seeds. That's uh, that's five podcasts down the road, but um, that's – that is, you know, how we feed the world is with new advancements in, uh, in genetic breeding of seeds, primarily corn, soybeans are the main drivers in the U.S., wheat uh, and rice elsewhere, uh, in other parts of the world, along with all, the, all your other fruits and vegetables. And then, then the, the biggest portion, or the biggest spend, if you will, is really around what we call crop protection and nutrients, and that is your fungicides, which, mm-hmm. you know, protect plant health. The insecticides, which, as the name says, uh, takes care of additional pests, and then herbicides, which is really cleaning up um, the the crops in the field. You know, getting rid of uh, noxious weeds and, and the like. And that's that is the main challenge: is really taking those we'll call it three to four components and, and managing that cost on a on an annual basis uh, for most crops. And sometimes it's it's two or three times annually, right? Um, mm-hmm. And where do we come in with the unmanned systems and the, uh, the drone applications? That's, that's kind of that's where we fit in. And I think one of the things you touched base on there, Patrick, uh, with your, your malady is that we've had imagery drones out there for quite some time now, and they're being used at the farm level to spot those maladies in the field, whether it's an insect infestation or uh, a patch of, you know, Johnson grass or cuckleburrs or Palmer amaranth is a big buzzword because it is uh, somewhat herbicide resistant, right? So finding those spots in the field and then figuring out how to treat those. Well, mm-hmm. in the common practices of today, if you have an infestation of some kind of a malady, you're just going to spray the entire field. And that is just the mentality of the farmer. It wasn't always that way. That shifted in 95, 96 when we introduced Roundup Ready, uh, um, you know, GMOs. Um, Part of that, you had a lot of spot sprays and farmers really trying to control their input cost uh, from a a chemical application. But now we have some technology, and that's hopefully what we'll talk about, is ways of reducing the expenditure, the use of chemicals, uh, the use of water on crops, 
um, with the Rantiza system. Well, that's. I, I was definitely hoping we uh, come downstream to that for for sure because um, th- that was one of the things that uh, I liked. You know, using. And I don't. Uh, I don't know if you you know the Xag company's products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was I, actually I've been watching them and I've seen their demonstration years ago. They had a guy running around here in Northern California, and I was impressed. But I was more impressed with, you know, uh, I went to China, watched their presentation, and it's kind of this holistic, you know, uh, sensors in the ground, you know, imagery drones, uh, application drones, all the rest of the stuff, and and analyzing all the data and everything else. Um, I kind of saw the promise early on is to say, hey, you know, uh, and especially for like organic farmers, you know, they're like, oh, man, I got to watch these fields all the time. If you were able to get the imagery from the drone at a low cost and you can catch these maladies early, as you were mm-hmm. saying, more of a spot spraying deal. Now, what's the mm-hmm. advantage of that? You kind of alluded to that. There's a financial advantage, you know, that I don't mm-hmm. have to outlay the money for the uh, farm inputs, but also it makes you a better upstream neighbor because you're not putting these nitrogen-based uh, or more than you need fertilizers, whatever, or chemicals or whatever that are getting into the watershed, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, much like the lotus flower, the technology keeps giving and giving. Um, and, and I mean, that's, is, is that what you're seeing uh, in, in, in today's, uh, you know, let's say ag world? Yeah. I mean, I think that is, that is our main adoption driver. So where, where farmers and ag retailers have adopted that is they understand that that's where that's where the industry is going, and whether they get on board now or they get on board later, that is where it's going. The outside pressures are saying you have to use less chemical, you have to use less fertilizer, and um, and make the most of the of the fewest, right? And why treat a field 100% of the field when only three or four percent of the field needs treatment? So. Exactly, and that's uh, yeah. So you know we're starting. To, I know you know that's another thing too. You know there was a. <laughs> Early on, and Gene probably remembers this, farm drones. Uh, you know, people were proselytizing the old farm drone thing. And I'm like, well, what the, you know, what the farm drones? Okay, sounds good. What does that mean? Um, so, you know, people were like, well, we're going to give the farmer data. He's going to get some data. And you kind of alluded to this. There's been a, uh, let's say, an evolution since the, uh, since the John Deere plow. I mean, I know the, the new, let's say, or I shouldn't say the new, but the modern farmer, is a wash in data true that absolutely and, and and understanding which data is really going to make sense to improve its form and its bottom line is the key he's got data coming at him from all different angles and all you know the, the his share of wallet to buy that data about himself is 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 relatively thin right so there's only so much money that can go around to access that data. And ultimately, he wants to understand what data is going to help him. And if you're taking, let's look at satellite imagery, is that field really going to change year over year? No. There are going to be some spots that might change, but for the most part, the dirt's going to be the same as it was 20 years ago, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, as far as we're concerned, and this is why drone, drone imagery really makes sense for us and tying into drone imagery. We are not a drone imagery company. We partner with companies that do drone imagery and companies that, that, that buy those services. And it's really to attack the issues in the field that can be seen from a drone. 
So, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and then 45 minutes goes quick, but, I, you know, I did want to talk about, you know, modern farming. I, I think a lot of people that were in the uh, Silicon Valley farm mm-hmm. mindset saw the mm-hmm. farmer at some, you know, you see those farm or those signs along the road with the, the farmer on the tractor with the, you know, wheat stalk hanging out of his mouth, or, you know, there's tractors crossing the road or whatever. And it's like, uh, no, that, you know, that was the fifties. The, the modern farmer uh, is somebody who's totally different. And like you said, there's only so many dollars to spread around. There's, there's all of this data. How do you coalesce all of that into to something that's meaningful? Um, you know, who, who's going to buy this uh, at what price point and things like that? So let's, you know, let's, let's give us maybe a lay of the land of what modern farming looks like. I mean, is it, I know that there's a lot of like corporate farming um, and then there's the mom and pops or family farms, you know, what's, what's going on there? Yeah, the lay of the land is, it, it, it's still majority uh, family farms. And they've just gotten bigger and consolidated. They're practically corporations themselves. But when I think of corporate farming, I'm thinking of something like the wonderful company that owns all of this pomegranate yeah. orchards, right? And farms. Don't get us started with the about, wonderful company. Yeah, of course. But um, you know, as far as uh, the farms that we see on the side of the road, typically it's a relatively large farm. And I think the average farm, what we call a large farm, is above 3,600 acres, right? And that farm typically has a data component, a GPS component, right? So all the fields are going to be mapped. All of the rows are going to be planted on RTK centers. And any data that is collected across the field, so every time the tractor go or the, you know, if it's planting, if it's spraying, if it's harvesting, all of that data is being collected. So you know what's going into the crop and also what's coming out of the crop, and then you can understand your ROI better. That is the basis, and that is what the majority of farmers are doing in America. And some more granular, some a little less granular, uh, but ultimately that is the landscape of the farm right now. And so for Rantizo, how do we play in that space is that we're, you know, we're an application services company. So if you want to think of us as a, um, a commercial application company that you hire out to come spray your crop, because not all farmers have, you know, ground spray rigs, and not all farmers have access to an airplane to crop dust their fields, right? Mm-hmm. We're just another piece of that puzzle. We're just more on the precision ag of that puzzle than the others may be. All right. Okay, and so if, if you hire one of those entities out, you want to be able to capture that trip across the field, and that's where the data play comes in. Hmm. Well, and then, you know, the next one I want to get into, because I, I do want a, um, an overview of, of, you know, like the business model. Like you said, okay, so you're, sure. you're an application, sure. you know, uh, company. So, you know, another one, my old farm drones concept is here I am in uh, Corn Bluff, Iowa. It's a fictitious town. I don't think there's a real Corn Bluff. But, you know, you're out there and you talked about the family farms and how big it is, right? So my, I also believe uh, yeah, this was one of Tad McGear's concepts that aircraft make money when they're in the air, right? So I had always been kind of a proponent of um, for, for this to work, you know, in an industrial application, you're going to need to be able to fly beyond visual line of sight. 
And you're also, uh, I, I think you could do a risk analysis on that. You know, again, Corn Bluff is 50 miles from the nearest town and airport and all the rest of this. And I think you can, let's say, assess out the safety risk analysis and say, hey, this is doable with this aircraft that has this range that can do that, yada, yada, yada. Where, where are we now? with, with uh, you know, the regulatory side of this and, you know, maybe I'm all wet. Maybe my concepts are, are you know, not correct. And maybe you can do all of this in visual line of sight. What, 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 where, where are we at today? Yeah, right now we, we're, we're far cry from there, okay? And, uh, and the main reason is we're just at the end of this. I mean, spray drones in the U.S. have only been around a couple of years, right? Maybe three at the most. We're a four-year-old company. And we've been actively spraying about three years under our uh, FAA Part 137, right? And mm-hmm. we have great communication with FAA, but as far as, you know, until we have enough birds in the air and enough data to support anything that would trend towards a, a beyond visual line of sight, I just don't see that happening, uh, you know, within the near term. But, it, you know, I think everybody is under the agreement and the belief that some, at some point in the future we will be there, okay? We're just such a new technology and, uh, in, a, in a regulated industry and on multiple fronts because it's not just the FAA. The EPA is involved and, and mm-hmm. numerous other entities, right? So as, as we move forward and track and, and share information with those entities about what we're doing, we're going to get buy-in towards uh, that beyond visual line of sight. Yeah, you know, I, and I don't want to be the uh, fly in the ointment or whatever, but I mean, you know, the Japanese have been using uh, this technology since the late '80s, and uh, you know, with the with the RMAX and some other, uh, let's say, variations and whatnot. I, you know, there's tens of thousands of, of pilots in Japan, and you know, in the early days, I did I was to the FAA, hey, look, you know, these guys got more data than you could shake a stick at, you know, and it's it's working. You know, um, so you know, I, I guess I'm frustrated at the at the pace. Um, you know, I've been at this for like 20 years, so it's it's a little frustrating. But you're able to make it work inside of the constraints of the 107, 137. I mean, I would. So I want to get into this. Uh, I want to get into this farm drone, spray drone uh, sure. industry. What are, what are I mean, you mentioned some of the other uh, federal agencies? It must be fun. That's all I can say. Is it must be fun. So tell us a little bit about what that's like. Yeah. So what we do and how we work uh, is is relatively simple. So Rantizo, we we are a turnkey drone solution, and we sell primarily to ag retailers. So these are the ones that would sell the crop input to farmers, right? And in many cases, mm-hmm. they're involved in precision ag, and they have their own commercial application services, probably a ground rig, sometimes a, a crop duster as well. And we, have, we pitch this as a, as a piece of the puzzle, right? So you want mm-hmm. your ground rigs and you want your aerial focused on large acreage, uh, some of the bigger fields that you're thinking about, uh, and focus the drone as it currently sits uh, on the – the, the smaller acres, the triangles, the awkward acres, the 5, the 10, the 20, the 40-acre fields, and leave your 100-acre fields to a much bigger, um, you know, implement, if you will. Um, but so what we do is we sell to them. We sell them uh, 
currently, uh, you know, a, it's the GGI Agris T30. That is what we sell um, uh, ag retailers. And then along with that, we provide services and insurance and support and training, which we're very focused on training. And, you know, we, we actually have a, a partnership with Gene here on how some of that training is done uh, in, in the winter months. But uh, the training and support are really the key aspects of Rantizo and what differentiates us from other companies that happen to be selling agricultural spray drones. Um, and so what we do is we, we have a partnership or an agreement or a contractor relationship with those ag retailers to help operate under our 137 as a, you know, a single entity because we have the 137 and this is a tricky uh, you know, uh, waiver part to get uh, within the FAA. And because of that, uh, we, we monitor it very closely. We have a, a digital app uh, that allows tracking of each flight and what you're spraying and when and the weather and everything else, we'll just call it a flight log, um, that is necessary for reporting. And that is critical for us to be successful, not just Rantizo, but agricultural spray drones in general. And there's a lot of cowboys out there that are buying spray drones that are not following this. And that, you know, that poses a huge challenge for us but because <laughs> all it takes is one, you know, one bad fly in the ornament, right? So yeah. we are trying to keep everything as legal and to, uh, you know, track to a T and provide that information so then we can help the FAA get to writing that uh, beyond visual line of sight. And we, we have taken upon ourselves to be the entity that will do that. Uh, meanwhile, growing as many acres as possible under, under spray or under drone spray, if you will, uh, and really driving adoption at the farm level. So we, we do market to farmers even though we don't sell to farmers because we want them to understand that spraying or spot spraying or site-specific applications are more beneficial for their crop, more beneficial for their farm overhead. And that's what we, that's what we do at Rantiza. It's the right tool for the job uh, type of thing, and and that makes sense, you know. Uh, you know, the like you said, the the odd angles and the, I mean, not you know, not every farm is a rectangle or a square or right. roads go through and you know all, all kinds of different things, or there may be uh, power or whatever. But you know, you know, there there are a few things I want to talk about in in, in that. So you know, the cowboy thing is kind of funny. Uh, not only you know, I think that there were some people that went out there with the farm drones thing, and I mean, I, I kind of laughed at that because, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a um, let's say, rural agricultural type area, you know, and my, my, my dad did a lot of work for farmers, and these guys, the old timers, man, could pick up a handful of dirt, sift through it, tell you what it needed, uh, what would grow there, uh, blah, 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 uh, and you had people that knew nothing about, and I'm not a an expert on, on farming or whatever, besides the eating the end product. But, you know, I'm going to go out and tell the farmer, I'm getting, well, what do you, you know, what services are you, I'm going to give him pictures, you know? Okay, great. You know, there's a value in that, but it's a limited value. You know, is there any analysis? What's the data? I mean, what, you know, what's the data set you're giving out? So it, uh, you know, you sound like, you know, about uh, agriculture. So, and, and I'm going to assume that your your pilots, uh, you know, do you, and I want to get into the training. So just even besides the flying training, you know, I mean, are these, are you are you training these people to understand the, the, the crops they're doing applications on? You know, how does that work? What, what's going on there? 
Yeah, so the majority of our pilots are coming from the ag retail channel. So if it's a, a company like a Nutrien that's out there, which is the largest crop input provider in the world, if they send us someone to become a pilot, they already know the crops that they are, their customers have, right? And they have a very good relationship with their agronomist, or maybe they are an agronomist, and they're going to add this as, you know, just another uh, – uh, I guess product line or whatever services they do. Um, so they're they're pretty knowledgeable of of the industry and what they're doing. And then what we do is make sure they get the 107. And then in our training, other than just learning how to fly and and apply with the spray, uh, spray drone, we're making them understand droplet size, how to mm. adjust for wind, all of yep. things that come along with applying what the FAA calls economic poison. <laughs> right. So that is. That's what we do, and so when they walk away, they are confident that they can go out and fly. Yeah, uh, well, and I think that's a a big thing. And oh, go ahead, Gene. Well, uh, one of the things that yeah, as you guys were talking that I, that I'd like to throw in there when we start talking about BB loss and that sort of thing, I have been kind of embedded with their guys. Juan Cantu is here, and Adam, uh, they're they're uh, pilots that do a lot of the training and setup. And you know me as a as a science geek. And a data geek for my past life, I mean, this stuff is right up my alley. So I've been kind of embedded with them there at the uh, uh, Public Safety Training Center there for uh, Austin Community College for the last couple of times they've been here. And from a practical standpoint, uh, they put a lot of thought into it because their trailer, you know, has a, a flying platform uh, on the roof that has rails that, you know, pop up for OSHA purposes so you don't fall off the trailer. But it gets you above that, you know, seven foot of corn. So you can see well down line as your drone is flying. And, you know, you could knock off a section with that bird, no problem, from one spot. Because you can see all the way down to to be able to keep your eyes on it. And the uh, the 30 is a big bird. It is a very big bird. And uh that is one thing I wanted to talk about is a little bit more about the, the hardware. And, you know, Gene, you're saying it's a big bird, and I'm sure you – know, let's see, maybe we could talk about the size of that and then talk about, uh, you know, some of the economics of the large, like training for the size, area of, uh, you know, that you could cover, things like that. Maybe – I don't know who wants to break that down, but I'm interested. Sure, sure. And, and, and I would like to go back that, you know, up until – the very first part of last November, um, we were using the DJI uh, Agris MG1P, and we had we had a you know a, a waiver to modify it from DJI, and we put a boom on it so we could spray a 20 foot swath with. But that's a you know a 10 liter tank. It was refilling uh, you know every minute and a half, and mm. swapping out batteries every three minutes or so. It's spending a lot of ground time. And even though it was doing about eight acres to the hour, um, it just wasn't super efficient. Now, we had a, a swarming capability or waiver from the FAA on that, so we could swarm up to three at once and, you know, increase that productivity. But it was essentially, uh, you know, a, a way to get into the market and, and really learn about the industry. And then when the T30 came out, and we were the very first company in the U.S. to get that waiver um, to fly the T30, We've we've looked at and Gene can attest they've been doing all the trials down there 
Now, even though DGI will say, you know, it's 40 acres to the hour, it's really right around 17.918 acres to the hour, spraying a three-gallon to the acre rate, flying, you know, seven foot above the canopy will give you a 20-foot swath width. It is a beast. It'll take about nine minutes to, uh, you know, seven to nine minutes to empty the payload. The batteries take around nine minutes to, to charge. It is super efficient. And I, I foresee that this is just, like, super uh, – like, we were driving a Ford Pinto, and, you know, now we're at a Mustang. And who knows what's going to come down the line, right? And that's, that's really where we are. So, so how many liters does this, uh, this new bird hold? Yeah, the new bird is a 30-liter. Okay. Uh, I was soon – Three times. Make an ass out of myself again. Well, unlike some of the other, the other, like you, the XG, uh, you know, their numbers don't necessarily uh, correlate with what the tank size is. But luckily, on the DJI Agrostrome, they do. You know. and, and so, you know, we're getting, and, and like you said, the Pinto, and we don't want to deride uh, such an mm-hmm. awesome car. <laughs> you know, has limited <laughs> capabilities, right? So now we're we're moving into the Mustang, and hopefully, we're going to get the GT here coming soon. But mm-hmm. um, so. We're, we're at a point now or a size or scale uh, with the 30 that this is making sense for you, like to bring – I mean, this is another thing, you know, I, I, you know there's a lot of and – I, and I don't want to deride the Best Buy flyer, but, you know, so many people run out and um, some of the cowboys and cowgirls run out and buy – go down to Best Buy and plunk down their 1000 bucks or 1500 bucks, and, you know, within a month or whatever, I'm a drone expert and I'm going to do all of this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there's relatively low overhead with driving in your car and mm-hmm. you know, flying the Phantom or whatever. And I, and I think that as you scale this up, people are like, I'm going to make, you know, millions in drones or whatever. So the reality is, you know, you have – I don't know what your your crew is uh, that you send out or whatever, but you know Gene's alluding to a trailer that has uh, mm-hmm. OSHA considerations, and you know you're talking about the EPA and the FAA and all the rest of these people. I'm starting to, you know, there's the, my mental, um, you know, desk calculator with tape is going off, and I'm starting to think about the cost of all this, and I'm like. Mm. All right, so uh, so you know, and again, it's economy of scale. So it, with the thirty, is this starting to make sense? Is it you know time wise, uh, efficiency? You know, can and you don't have to give us the secret sauce. I don't want you to give it away, but you yeah, know. no, that that's fine. Um, and and it really comes down to most uh, most farmers, whatever they buy, if they're buying a, an input or an application service, they're looking on a per acre rate, right? Mm-hmm. And in some areas of the U.S., the rate's different. Than other areas. So let's take, uh, you know, Iowa for instance. If you're buying a crop duster or you're hiring out a crop duster to spray your chemicals, you know, it's it's somewhere between twelve and fifteen dollars an acre. Whereas, say in the Mississippi Delta, where I'm from, that's probably six or seven dollars an acre for applying exactly the same thing over the exact same type of crop, right? And that's just the way that things are. A lot more crop dusters in the South than they are in the North. Um, well, and, and that, that goes back to cotton and rice and just different, you know. A, Old old style makeup of the crop mix, but um, that's that's kind of the, what we're playing with here. And so, whereas the the MG1P system may have been you know twenty thirty dollars or so an acre, now with this T series, 
you're looking to be a little bit more comparable, at least with the northern prices. And that tells you that, hey, this, this could be a fit. And that's, that's where we're looking at. And then from a, like, uh, you know, an investment standpoint, if I am an ag retailer and I'm spending $450,000, $500,000 a year on a ground rig to spray, what's, what's a you know, I don't know, $50,000, $100,000 investment for a T-series trailer, blah, blah, blah? It's, mm. it's really nothing. Right, and then there's the component of well, we've got new drones coming every year. One of the things that Rantizo is working on is an upgrade program, kind of like your cell phone, right? And so, yeah, we know a T40 exists. They're they're using it in China right now. When will that be available? And when it's available, are we going to be able to roll it out quite quickly? Because the the technology in the drone space, and you know this well, Patrick, is moving far more rapidly than say even the the EV space for, you know, cars and trucks in the U.S. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, I know. And, and, you know, again, I kind of alluded to a little bit of my frustration early on. Um, you know, we're, 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 we, we need uh, the new technology. I mean, we have to put the long pants on, as I like to say. You know, we've got um, <clears throat> 8 billion brothers and sisters and whatever on the planet. And as the population grows, you know, we got to figure out how to, you know, food security, right? So everything you're talking about plays into what really has to happen. And, and we're going to have to get on board and make it happen, um, you know, and, and also with the farm inputs, the, the water security thing. So you're, you're uh, I think you're on the cutting edge here, buddy, of, uh, you know, uh, making that promise happen. So, as we go forward, and I do want to talk a little bit about the training because uh, I don't want to gloss over that because, as I just said, um, obviously all of these considerations and the people that you're dealing with or whatever, let, let's talk about that real quick. Let's, let's, let's try and talk about, again, without giving away the secret sauce, what, 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 are, what are the, uh, let's say, major points we're trying to hit? Yeah, so with the training, uh, and as it currently stands, you know, it's a two-day course, right, uh, and, and three if we add swarming. But, uh, you know, you've got a, a full day of classroom work, and, and then there's a manual and a, a lot of, you know, smaller, the kind of off-the-shelf little toy drones that you can fly in class, uh, specifically for indoor use. Like just getting used to controllers and then learning that if you push this way, it goes the opposite direction, like, understanding the basics of drone, of drone flight, if you will, and then really drilling down on what you're spraying and how that looks. And like, we have to spray currently because this doesn't, you know, drone labels don't exist for, for pesticides or any kind of chemicals. Right. So, and we're working with the big three on that, and we'll, we'll talk, talk about the big three in a couple of seconds. But um, really understanding that the labels that are presented for aerial crop dusters, that's what you're going to spray and what that looks like and then how to quote your job based on that. And then you have a full day outside flying drones. Uh, I'm not saying doing tricks, but learning how to map, learning how to integrate it with the shape file that you're getting from another imagery drone or some uh, own farm derived, uh, you know, uh, image that the farmer may have or his, you know, his, uh, his CCA might provide you. Understanding how to incorporate that and really laying out your plan for the day to go out and execute, right? Understanding fairing distance, which a lot of people don't like to talk about, but like the, the drone is going to run out of chemical and come back home and refill and go back. And like, what makes that more efficient and how to look at those processes? That's, 
that is a lot of what our training does, and I think it goes above and beyond some of the other training courses that you see online. Right, and uh, you know, so you've got the physical training, and then you know, yeah, I'm sure you had to look high and low for a guy that's got some experience in the field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we were. See, that's we, a, I would that say that our two. our two guys are. Go ahead, Patrick. I was just going to say that was uh, Gene's cue to jump in. Now, we're, we're, yeah. we're almost out of time <laughs> with the live show, but I think, as usual, we go along, so we can we can wrap up our subject, our our, uh, um, our topics here. But so, Gene, you want to jump in here and tell us uh, some, some of the ethos? or? Yeah, well, you know, uh, we, we talk about the training side of it. You know, that's what I've, I've kind of moved my career into and, and – uh, uh, as we started working with Austin Community College and, and Rentizo contacted us and started looking at the, uh, I hate using these buzzwords, like synergy of where they're going and where, where we're going, uh, you know, it was a good fit. And because we're down here in, in balmy Texas where in February you only get to, you know, 26 degrees, yeah, right. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, they have to comply to is the uh, manufacturer's recommendation that you don't fly this thing under 32 degrees. Okay, so if you want to train people in the wintertime, you're not going to do it in Iowa because, Dudley, what's the temperature there today? Feels like. <laughs> Feels like negative 10. <laughs> okay, not not only would this, this thin-blooded Texan not want to stand out there in that, but you can't actually fly that drone because of manufacturer's restrictions. So, you know, it, it made a lot of sense for them to, you know, look at the southern region. And, and since Dudley is from, you know, a good southern boy from Mississippi, then it made sense. So they have to come in. They, they had a class this week, and, and the folks come in. They have to have their Part 107, you know. And because they're flying a commercial product under Part 137, they have to have a, uh, a flight physical, uh, uh, Class 2 flight physical, they have to have their pesticide certifications, bumpity 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 bump, and that's before they even walk into the classroom. So you know it's uh, it's quite the process to go through, but you know as Dudley has alluded to so far, is that you know there's a demand for it, and one of the good things about drones in a farm situation is, unlike manned aviation where you've got the Cessna Ag Wagon, you know which is a gazillion dollars to begin with. Um, it flies pretty much one speed real fast, and it covers a lot of territory, whereas they can custom design drones for different things in the farm, and it's going to be highly competitive from a cost standpoint. Am I not? Is that not a true statement, Dudley? It's a, very much a true statement. So, well, you I know, think... from the practical standpoint, I mean, it, they're, they're on point. And, and it, it looks like, to me anyway, that it's finally coming to of age where uh, it's, it's going to start on those odd-shaped and, you know, folks that have that, uh, that low-per-acre cost, that drones are going to be the way to go. Right. And, uh, you know, my hat's off to you, Dudley, because uh, you found somebody who, you know, this guy, Gene, spent a couple of days out in the field using drones. <laughs> Day or two. Uh, no, you know, Gene's a—he's he's like my go-to guy for the uh, field work. And you know, it's funny—is I see so much 
and you guys probably have learned this in the in the learning curve or whatever. There's so many people that are like, I'm sitting in an office somewhere and it's climate controlled, which is nice work if you can get it. And they, you know, the best laid plans of mice and man, and they're typing away with big smiles on their face. And uh, then they get the program out in the field. And what usually happens, Gene? <laughs> well, we, yeah. Yeah, we uh, we get the guy that shows up and flip flops in one battery. You know, it's a. Uh, um, <laughs> you could there's always one, and you can spot them. You know. Yeah. Uh, it, it's and one of the things that one of the things that I wanted we touched on it. We talked about the data, but you can collect so much data, and and I've said this for years. You got to have somebody that can interpret that data. And oh, I think this absolutely. is one of the, this is part of the Rantizo model. They're going to go out there. They're going to they're going to do the 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 research to interpret the data, be able to collect it and interpret the data at the same time, and look at softwares. We've been talking about software and you know multispectral imagery and near infrared NDV. I mean, all of this stuff is just you know pushing all my buttons as we go through this and. They provide that to the farmer, and the farmer can farm, and the data is interpreted for them. So well, that's a, pretty cool. Yeah, that's another point too with the uh, you know at the early days with farm drones, and it really it it, it uh, translates to everything. Is most you go out and you talk to someone like a farmer who's an expert in farming, and uh, you know usually they can sniff out a, a faker pretty early. Hopefully, the earlier the better. There's like one time. Uh, <laughs> I uh, remember I gave that presentation of your material for some firefighters, and I forget exactly where that was. Might have been some people. Oh yeah, that was the, that was the 2015 flood. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, there was some and there were firefighters in the room. And I go, you know, and I prefaced the whole thing, and I said, look, you know, this is another person's material. I'm just giving the presentation. I'm not a firefighter. Blah blah blah. So we're going through the slides and. Uh, these guys in the back room are, are giving me that, that stink face, you know, with the smirks on their face. And they're like, yeah, no, that's not, you're not. And I, I go, hey, man, you know, they, they were sniffing me out that I wasn't a firefighter. But I'm like, I, I told you up front in the beginning that I'm not a firefighter and I'm not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes here, you know. But uh, that that is one of the uh, things with this drug business is uh, people sniff out someone who's, uh, let's say, not well-rounded in the field that you're trying to represent. And, and you know, so deadly, I mean, when you talk to people and you go out to the farmers, and I mean, there's already been kind of the first wave of, uh, you know, the, the drone guy has been out there. Do you, do you run into any of that? Do you, like, you run into some skepticism, or do people feel comfortable when, when you guys come out? How's it working? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mixed bag. I would say the skepticism um, primarily is around, well, are you going to spray just as efficiently or effectively as my ground rig or a crop duster? So then we have to present, you know, the white papers that exist and the data that we have that says, that, you know, there's no statistical difference, uh, you know, all the trials that we've done, okay? So that, that's one component. The other one is like, well, you're getting 18 acres to the hour. My, uh, my ground rig gets 100 and the crop duster gets 200. Um, so how can you compete? And then you really, you know, hone in. I'm like, well, that ground rig could be more efficient and cover more acres in uh, a timelier fashion if you incorporated this. And you just, it's a, it's a longer sales process. 
but you can eventually show them where those results uh, and you know lie and how they can really chip away and make their make their whole program more efficient, whether you're at the ag retail level or the farmer that's buying the services. All right. Uh, well, I will say this. I will say this, though, Patrick. It's not just the drones. It's it's the influx of all of the ag tech that's come on their farm in the last say ten years, and that 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 has the farmer skeptical. All right, well, you know, and uh, drones have always, that's been another thing, you know, when people were talking about the, uh, you know, oh, you know, the $82 billion industry of drones or whatever. And and I think that, uh, and I, I don't want to speak for Gene, but early on, I think, you know, we've kind of learned that drones really augment existing businesses. It's like the other. Yes, yeah. The, the tool in the toolbox, you know, uh, can't build a house with just a hammer, you know, so you're going to need tools. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, so it would seem like that all of this is starting to, what you're saying is, is that this is starting to uh, play out. Uh, people, and, and I guess, you know, business is growing. So what you're saying is is, uh, is true. There's truth to it and whatnot. Um but you know we're we're running long, so why don't we do this? Uh, could you could you give us the website where folks could get more information? Yeah, just go to rantizo.com, r-a-n-t-i-z-o.com. Okay, and you know we're gonna learn more, and I guess we're gonna we're probably gonna you know have to have you back at some point. Because, you know, there's there, I, I mean, there were so many branches of this that, that we could have went down the road and really expanded. Uh, I, I really wanted to expand on a couple of these points. We just don't have <laughs> 45 minutes goes quick. So, um, you know, in, in kind of closing or putting a bow on this, we covered a lot of, uh, a lot of real estate. What you know, was, was there anything that, that we missed that you think is kind of uh, would put a bow on this thing? Yeah, I, I think um, one of the things that need to be understood is that we didn't really touch base on, on the big three, and that's uh, yeah. Bayer, Corteva, and Syngenta, and they're the ones that provide the crop inputs. Uh, to some extent, BASF as well. I don't want to leave them out. We'll call them the big four. And we have buy-in from them. We're doing trials with them. And so that shows that they understand not only from a trialing perspective, but this will take off. Those companies are all working on, you know, ultra-low volumes or new labels for drones because they understand that at some point uh, the, the government regulations or the sustainability initiatives that are out there or just the end consumer is going to say we want less chemicals used on our crops, we want less water used on our crops, which end up in, you know, in the food chain. And I think we're here to at least attack a portion of that and really help out. Well, you know, as I kind of thought or said in the beginning, I thought I was going to learn something. I think we did learn some things. And I'm also kind of uh, glad that some of the concepts that both me and uh, Gene or Gene and I shared many years ago are starting to come to, let's say, being a norm, it, it, it is, it's exciting. And uh, the technology, I, I really believe that this technology and being kind of an advocate for it, that this, this technology can really, uh, one of the good uses was in one of the world's oldest professions uh, to help feed a hungry world. It sounds like this is starting to pan out. So with that, uh, we will have to have you back, Deadly. Uh, interesting stuff. And as, as this uh, starts to 
really pick up a head of steam. I'm interested in hearing more. So thank you for being on, Gene. As always, uh, you know, the expertise yes, you have is good. Uh, I, I yes, like sir. it. So till next time, everyone, uh, keep it safe and see you then. Be warm. Okay. Bye-bye. Sounds good. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.